the ASCO Leadership Podcast with Jeff Barton. Julie McCulloch, Director of Policy at ASCO. Julie, it's uh, probably two and a half years ago we were talking about our blueprint document and now as we move into a, a new school and college year we're going to be talking about a manifesto. What's the link between the blueprint and what we were trying to do and the manifesto and what we're going to be trying to do? The blueprint is yeah, something we published in September 2021, I think it was, and the, the thinking behind that was what we wanted was something that set out ASCL and ASCL members' long-term vision for the education system. So that was looking at where do we think the system is working well at the moment where do we think it needs to change and what and what might those changes look like Um, so that was based on around a a sort of five-year period and one of the key things about the blueprint that we were very keen to do was there are some recommendations there that are aimed at government but actually there are also quite a lot that are aimed at ourselves at our own members you know that that whole idea of the school-led self-improving system means that we think there are changes that can and should be made at individual school level as well as at government level so that that's what the blueprint was aiming to do um the manifesto that we've just published i mean there are lots of similarities as as you'd imagine with what we're saying in the blueprint but it's a more focused document so it's looking at we are likely to have a, a general election uh you know at the outside in just over a year's time um we may be looking at a very different government. We might find ourselves in, in a different position. We don't know. Uh, but whoever comes in there, they're going to be inheriting a very difficult um, situation. You know, it's been a, a very hard few years for the country for all sorts of reasons. And so what our manifesto does is it, it, it looks in that particular context and says, OK, for any incoming government in a year or so's time, what are the main things that we think they need to be focusing on in terms of government priorities and government policies around our education system? And the premise of all of this is that we've got essentially a good education system, but there are certain key things that any government is going to need to do to make it better. So should we just talk about what some of those things might be because we know as people return to their school and their college that there are issues around funding for example there's issues around the complexity of send funding and the expectations of parents and how we both manage those and give good provision to young people but the biggest issue continues to be recruitment and retention so should we just talk through some of the ideas in there Mm, absolutely so i think probably the starting point to say about the manifesto is it's a very pragmatic document. You know, we actually say in as many words in the, in the introduction that it's really easy to get carried away by big ideas in education. You know, everybody has a sense of what they think education should be like, including particularly probably um, politicians. Where we feel we are at the moment is actually there are a significant number of things that frankly just need fixing in uh, in the education system. So, So while, you know, it's important that that I think any incoming government has a a vision for education. You know, they need that and they need to be able to bring people with them on that. Actually, what we're really saying in the manifesto is, can we just concentrate to begin with on the things that really, really need fixing uh, before we we sort of start to think about, in some ways, some of those bigger ideas? So our, our starting point there is we think there are three huge challenges at the moment in, in education. You mentioned recruitment and retention. That's our number one. You know, we think there is a, a huge recruitment and retention crisis. And frankly, if the government doesn't get a grip on that, they won't be able to do anything else. You know, you need to have enough qualified, highly qualified, skilled people in front of our children and young people before they can attempt to do anything. So that's that's our first challenge and our first priority. 
Uh, our second challenge is around the widening disadvantage gap. So that really refers back to the work that we did in the, in the blueprint, which was particularly looking at where the system doesn't work for our most disadvantaged children and young people. The, the issues, the gap that we identified then two years ago has grown significantly, uh, that, that gap over the last two years. So we think there needs to be something there about looking at what are the reasons behind that widening gap and what can the government do about that. And many of those suggestions actually are outside of schools and colleges as well as within. And then our third priority, our third challenge that our members tell us is the, the ever-expanding expectations on schools and colleges. Um, you know, I'm sure all members listening to this will recognise that all of those uh, things that you're now having to pick up that used to be done by other children's services, by social services, by mental health support services, all of those things that are absolutely essential that our children and young people need more than ever post-pandemic, uh, but they're falling on your door because nobody else is picking those up. So that's our starting point. There are three big challenges. We think that any incoming government should be focused on those three challenges. And then we then set out a, a series of, of suggestions to address each of those three challenges. And as a trade union, there's some kind of core business for us, which I think... Uh... Uh, a lot of our members will find eye-catching and I think reassuring. So, for example, every year, as we know, we go along to the school teachers review body. We put recommendations, put our evidence, and then the government either accepts or rejects or fudges the whole thing. It feels pretty outmoded that, in a sense, because the teaching workforce has changed, hasn't it? So, I think our school business leaders, in particular. Um, or CFOs, whatever they might be called, m might be reassured of one of the proposals. Do you just want to kind of just remind us what that is? Yeah, so we, we have a number of proposals, as you might imagine, around um, teacher and leader pay, several of which have kind of emerged through the, the negotiations we've been involved in over the last few months. But one of those is, is specifically around the fact that we think when we have that independent body uh, that, that uh, looks at the pay of school teachers, we think they should be looking at all of the staff working in our schools and colleges, um, particularly business leaders, because, you know, as as our business leader members will be aware, the way that, that they're remunerated is very different from the way that teachers and leaders are remunerated. And actually their pay uh, in many ways has fallen significantly behind uh, the other, other leaders in our schools and colleges. So yes, we think that the, the STPCD, the document where, that where all this happens, um, should cover roles like school business leaders and actually other roles common in multi-academy trusts, CEOs, you know, CEOs, all of those sorts of roles we think should come under the same umbrella. And although you described it as a pragmatic do document, which it is, actually it's got, it's got some kind of big stuff as well. I mean, one of them is something we've been talking around for a while, which is could we lift the authority around curriculum and assessment out of the hands of politicians. I think that's gaining some, some traction as people start to realise, A, how much workload that generates for people working in schools and colleges because you're endlessly seeing tinkering with that. But secondly, wouldn't it lead to something which was more considered and less ideological ultimately? And similarly, again, something we've been talking about for the last two or three years now, Ofsted and the grading and how that might be reformed. Again, we're sensing that that might be gaining some traction. So it's it's pragmatic, but it's bold. It's boldly pragmatic. I think <laughs> that's a nice term. Yeah, I mean, on on curriculum and assessment reform, 
there's there's a balance I think to strike here and this is very much what we hear from our members about you know there has been a lot of change to curriculum assessment over the last decade it takes a long time for those changes to bed down for people to become familiar with them you know whether that's teachers or students so so to some extent I think there's a sometimes a little bit of a weary sigh that oh for goodness sake let's not throw all of that up in the air again Um, but the balance there is you know, we know that there are things about our current approach to curriculum assessment that don't work well and particularly don't work well for our most disadvantaged young people. All the work that we've done at, at ASCL and that others have, have really kind of built on, I think, around the forgotten third, you know, really shows there is something there that's not working for a third of our young people. So what we've tried to do uh, with our suggestions in the manifesto is is to get that right balance. You know, we talk about a, an incremental programme of curriculum and assessment reform to ensure they're fit for purpose for all children and young people. So so that there's several things in there that, that build on that uh, that forgotten third work and and around assessment uh, around inspection and accountability absolutely we, we've done a lot of work as an organization this year um, lots of other organizations and people have as well thinking about actually what what is it that that works and more importantly doesn't work about the way that we hold schools and colleges to account particularly the inspection system um, how could we make that better fairer more proportionate um, and we refer back in the manifesto to to lots of that work around the future of assessment that, that we've been doing this year and just finally one of the things we aspire to um, and it, it sounds pretentious when I say it but then what what doesn't um, we, we aspire to be a 21st century trade union and and therefore, as well as being reactive to what other people might be suggesting, we're trying to be proactive. And that's essentially what the manifesto, like the blueprint before it, is trying to do. So let's just finally just talk about what happens next. We've sent this out and we're in the process of sending it out to the people who make decisions and have influence. Uh, we'll be sharing it with our members and referencing it a lot. But we're also going to the party conferences. And that's a world which was new to me when I got this role. Uh, and it's a fascinating one. What what do we do and why do we go to party conferences? Yeah, it's a very, very strange world. The party conferences are quite fascinating. So, yeah, we, we've gone to the party conferences for, for many years. Um, there's a couple of things we do there. We put on our own events. Um, so we, for the last few years, we've done that in collaboration with the Education Policy Institute. We've got two events running uh, th- this year at the, the Labour and the Conservative conferences, both focused around inspection, actually. Um, and and we also speak on panels at other events and such like. And I think the the benefit of us being at the party conferences is twofold for me, I think. One is we get the opportunity to directly talk to MPs, politicians, advisors, um, you know, sometimes the people that we talk to all the time, the education secretary, education ministers, but actually loads of other MPs as well who can be really influential. So we get the chance to to say to those people directly, this is what's happening in education, this is what we think should be happening. And the other benefit that, that I always find from going to the party conferences is you get a really good sense of who else is influencing those politicians as well. You know, there are many, many organisations like ours um, who are putting on events at those conferences and are there essentially for the same reason that we are. And I just find that fascinating to go and listen to some of those. And sometimes it's a bit of a penny drop moment where you go, oh, 
that's why the minister's saying that. Okay, you know, he he or she is kind of picking up that kind of, you know, that that strong influence from from another organisation or from another kind of part of the system. So that, I think, is incredibly helpful. So we'll be at the party conferences. But the other thing that we want to do around the manifesto is one of the things that, that, that we really want to be talking to members about over the next year or so, you know, however long we've got before the election, is basically remember the power and influence that you have on the ground as school leaders. You know, we can do a lot centrally, but what we can't do is, you know, be in every constituency talking to every election candidate and saying, do you realise how little money I've got in my school or college? Do you realise how difficult it is to recruit teachers and support staff at the moment? And and our members can do that. Um, so what we'll be doing um, at the beginning of the autumn term is we're going to be putting together essentially a, a package of support for members to say, here's our manifesto, but here are some thoughts on how you might be able to engage with um, with your local election candidates. Here are some thoughts if you're comfortable doing this, that you might be able to share with parents. You know, I I know that our members need to be very careful about political engagement, but our point here is none of this is party political. It's all about what we think needs to be happening in education. So, you know, all of that, we, we think members are really, really well placed to do on the ground and we'll be providing lots of stuff to help you to do that. It's going to be quite a year ahead, defined by the prospect of a general election at some point in the next 15 months or so and I think the way in which you and your team are helping to set an agenda from those people who are not in think tanks they're running our schools and colleges they're in the offices they're on the corridors they're in the dining rooms I think great work so Julie thanks for kind of talking us through it and uh, see you in the autumn thank you the Askell Leadership Podcast with Jeff Barton 